Hello everyone, my name is Dayton and you're welcome to Savvy Within where we're all about helping you thrive through your career years you know, by bringing to four valuable conversations around career matters, workplace culture and a whole lot of stuff that bug young professionals, especially Gen Z's and millennials like me. On today's episode, I'll be speaking with someone special and this is actually our first co-hosted episode on Serving Within. I'm hoping that this is also bringing valuable conversation to you where we're looking to bring a whole lot of our audience to speak on the show. But today we're speaking with Dr. Daryl and she recently went through a career transition from clinical dentistry into being an health economist so she's going to be talking us through everything that went on in that process a discovery process and where she is right now and I'm hoping that conversation is extremely valuable to you if you're looking to transition within your career path anytime soon or if you're going through one at the moment actually so let's sit back and jump right in and speak to Dr. Olatoke. Hi! Dara, how are you and how is your day going? Hi, I'm good. I'm getting ready for autumn, so I guess time to start layering up. It's nice, it's nice. Yeah. I how like are fall you, as well. How is Canada? I'm fine, I'm fine. The weather is quite warm. It's not so bad. So you recently, I think in the past one to one and a half years, I would say, correct me if I'm wrong, went through a career transition. And the, the purpose of this conversation is for people within your field, which is within the medical industry, who are considering a career change, for them to actually really understand what your journey has been like and possibly learn from your experience and the options that are out there available to them to yeah. really explore what that journey was like and pick a few lessons along the way. So the first thing I would like to know is just give us a bit about your educational background and just let's get to know you a bit. Put simply, I'm a trained dentist. I trained court the greatest university above Femiolo University in Nigeria. In Nigeria. <laughs> yeah. I graduated 2013. That's about seven years ago. Went to high school, finished 2004, studied dentistry for six plus years. Then I worked for, say, about actively, maybe about four years before finally, like, putting into motion the transition moving away from active clinical practice but currently i'm studying my second year master's health economics and big data analysis and i'm interning in a cro that's like a research organization okay so where are you currently studying oh i'm studying in warsaw kozminski university in polish okay. it's called academia leon kozminski big words yeah <laughs> and you're interning where at the moment my internship is at ziarek it's a cro a contract research organization they do research for pharmaceutical companies but it's based in i think this Selga in Canada. So let's let's narrow down on some of the details that you gave here. So you mentioned that you are a trained dentist. From what you said, you worked as a clinical dentist for a couple of years before you are now transitioning into the big words that is your master's degree right now. So can you just shed some light for those that do not understand really? I didn't know anything about what you're mastering in right now. What would you say it's about? Okay, I'm mastering in health economics and big data analysis. I primarily wanted health economics. When I saw it came with big data, well, I decided to take up the challenge. But basically what 
health economics is about if i can break it down health and economics so it's like the money part of health okay because to be honest you really can't separate health or healthcare from the money part. health is money they say health is wealth wealth is health and mm. for example you can it's been obvious for example like this year 2020 with coronavirus and different countries and their ability to really respond to the outbreak you've seen that it's even beyond saying that oh this country has the best health system in the world and all that then merging it with big data we know data is like the new oil the concept of health economics is not too new but then i think not everybody every country has embraced it fully so yeah. then merging it with data is like trying to take healthcare away from the traditional way that we yeah. see and making yeah. it marketable commodity and to also be something that even people who don't have a clinical background will be yeah. able to put their impact and also to move healthcare forward because it should move away from the level of you just going to the doctor's office in taking notes with your pen you know people are talking now about telemedicine yeah. and even customized medicine like when you use your eye watch and all those your fitbits that they tell you about yeah. the heart rate there's a system yeah. where maybe it could connect to your emergency hospital in case yeah. you have an attack so that's where data comes into here absolutely that makes sense so basically your your master's degree is combining your background in medical or dental sciences with technology and economics and then- and economics yes basically <laughs> nice what was it like growing up for you like were you one of those cool kids i call them cool kids because when i was young i didn't really know what i wanted to become i, I made a career choice by writing the options in a piece of paper rolling it and then picking one and i landed on computer science and engineering and that was it so oh, like lucky you <laughs> so i just said you know what let's just pick one up uh, it, it couldn't have worked for me like i would be so worried <laughs> sick because i mull over things like before i make up my mind yeah. Yeah, I did that, but I also got tired of the decision process. So yeah, I had yeah. made up my mind, like, whatever I pick here, it is, that's what it is. Like, I'm too young to know what I want to do. <laughs> So, yeah, and I, and it I worked out it. for you if it didn't I, pan out for you i don't know what you're yeah. for me it wasn't so well for me initially it was like, i may not know what i want to do but first of all i knew the things that i didn't want to do want to for do. example for me i was like i can't do law yeah so i crossed it i was like yeah commercial was like a 50 50 because i was like i got lost with bookkeeping and accounting so yeah. I was like, nah. then i was good with integrated science so i was like okay let me go to the sciences let yeah. me see if i could do meds medicine that's yeah. okay. so i started nurturing the idea of medicine then probably also my mom i'm sure i think i remember a conversation when i was very young you know nigerian family and she mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. doctor so you're going to be a doctor and you know we had a cool family physician and aside taking care of us why was quite close to my parents we discussed with them and he looked rich too so, <laughs> yeah. so i really originally intended to be a medical doctor to be an name so yeah, i nurtured yeah. that dream till even after high school then i had the two-year IELTS, I could call it, between high school and going to the university. So I went for yeah. pre-degree in IFE. In pre-degree, I entered with the notion of I'm going for med. Yeah. However, after the first semester, you have the opportunity of changing your course if you think you're not doing well enough. So I had an honest conversation with myself. I remember vividly, by the end of the first semester, I had 64%. We didn't know what the cutoff for medicine was. But then, imagine having like a course of about 5,000 students, and I'm sure maybe about 1,000 of them wanted to do yeah. So I told myself, with this 64%, I, this is not my secondary school group, but this was like a bigger point. So I had an honest conversation with myself that not to pick something lesser, but to give myself a chance. Yeah. So I then thought of doing dentistry. Then I went to meet my guardian and I told him, I said, this is what I've done. He said, you've already made up, made your decision. I said, yes, and I filled the form. He said, well, you look like you've made up your mind. Eventually, results came out after the pre-degree program. Yeah. And the cutoff mark for 
medicine was 75 Whoa. because of math for dentistry was 71 yours truly got 73 <laughs> percent just in the middle like, enough for just, dentistry not enough for medicine not enough for medicine i had friends that got 74 and they got botany not to say that botany wasn't a good course or isn't but it wasn't what they, wanted. wasn't what they wanted so you really just went for the option that gave you a better chance yeah and for those that don't know i mean jam is like the national board exam that your regular high school students in nigeria do right before getting into the university for whatever specialization or course that they want yeah equivalent of SATs and all of that it seems like just like i rolled the ballot and picked my course you were also kind of you took a limb on chance right and i can imagine yeah. how many young nigerians take a chance on their career because i still think about it right now i was at what age when i actually had to prepare for jam maybe i was 14 and how do you expect a 14 year old to make an informed career <laughs> decision that's supposed to affect me for the rest of my life you can imagine the number of people that would have had to pick something and then later realize that oh shit this was a bad idea it's not for me you know. it's not for me especially for someone like you who your profession is not really known to be dynamic in my opinion what would you say are about three common myths what do people think that is true about the medical slash dental part and you say nah fam this is a lie what do you think are those three myths you want to like debunk right now and say guys that's a lie not <laughs> like that. well first of all i would say not all doctors are super smart at least for my sake like, okay. To be honest. Well, maybe in high school I was spanking. University <laughs> I didn't do badly, but trust me, I was just in fact I remember like my first year, no, my second year when we yeah. entered clinicals. Uh, no, when we entered pretending. Yeah. I remember a senior came to meet me. He was in I think the fourth year then. He yeah. just told me, he said there are say, Don't try to be too smart. Just yeah. make sure you get fifty in all <laughs> your So if you get an eighty in one course, and another course, you get a 49. Yeah. You're going to have a receipt. Meanwhile, somebody yeah. who scored 50 on the dot in all his all courses true. is going to go for holiday and have fun. And you're yeah. Nice so yeah. Basically, many of us are like, just score 50 and just let and me get go. Yeah. So your <laughs> doctors are not, they are not, but you know, raising us up, they're like, ah, oh, she's very brilliant. She, I'm, oh, please, she wants I'm to be a doctor. very brilliant. I'm just yeah. okay. Yeah. That's the first thing. Like, not to say they're terrible, not to say they're yeah, not I get, good, but yeah, don't. Yeah ask them about astronomy or some of them are just please i just did just enough to just at least i'm saying it from for my sake yeah don't come and ask me complex stuff of course yeah. there's a level of dedication and a level of hard commitment yeah into, yes exactly that goes into it because it's a strenuous exercise going to medical school trying to make sure you do well for people who had receipts for yeah. reading all over and over you can't afford to take extended vacations or say you're not yeah. doing it again no yeah. it's a lot of hard work but then okay. Okay, people. okay, myth number one debunked. Yeah. yeah, doctor does not mean you know everything in the world. No, 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 no. <laughs> I also check Google sometimes for my symptoms, so please. Okay, <laughs> interesting. <laughs> what other myth do you want to debunk? Okay, that dentistry is not just about teeth. That mm. one is annoying. Please, I like when that. I tell people I'm a dentist, initially they always like teeth. I'm like, excuse you, it's not just about teeth alone. It's about your face. It's about your body. Because to yeah. be honest, when you go to the dentist, you leave your kidneys at home and send only your teeth to the dentist. <laughs> so, in fact, sometimes for some reason somebody mentions something about, and then I'm giving an explanation about maybe how your kidney and your liver. I'm just trying to enlighten them, and they look at me like, oh, but you're doing dentistry. I'm like, oh, so, huh? uh, okay. So you don't leave your kidneys at home. 
treatment yet to, to the hospital every yeah. your whole body is one so a dentist has some knowledge they may not be an expert in yeah. kidney disease kidney cancer yeah. but they have some knowledge and they also tend to take clinical courses and do rotations in medicine and surgery and all that yeah i mean it's obvious like if you have a tooth taken out you, are, you get a headache and your eyes will probably be aching you so like the, everything is interrelated so it's not just oh the dentist is just in my mouth every other thing else i'll go to the gen- there's a relationship between everything everything in fact there are some cases where maybe people didn't know they were diabetic and they probably just saw the oral medicine specialist and from some things they saw in their mouth they'd be like just take the blood sugar test. interesting anyone miss i don't know about dentistry dentistry is cool and you can make money <laughs> <laughs> well that's not a myth but i think it's a fact if you know what you're doing if you can make you can make money though it's yeah. pretty expensive cool cool okay now let's let's talk about your journey into the career transition what would you say you wish you had known at the start of your education that could potentially have changed the course of your career path yeah things i wish i knew that well they could probably not change my career path but then probably help me better yes to know that every career or whatever you're doing to be honest the bottom line is you also want to make good money and live a good life there's this tendency especially for people maybe who work in the medical field it's about true sick you think i just want to take care of my patient and yeah want i'm passionate about medicine <laughs> your passion exactly but do you want to go broke while doing it you need to feed your family you need to yeah. look good nigeria is a very complex system trust me especially for doctors it, it, yeah the system is not too fair for doctors i must confess yeah. the things people went through to get an house job placements many of my colleagues have had salaries hanging in different institutions for years the bottom line is you should teach people when they're going into any career that this thing has to be something you can also make money from it's not profitability is it has yeah. to be profitable exactly so maybe I really wish maybe we had some form of like business lessons, the training that we were given. How do you make your practice profitable? How do you make it viable to stand mm-hmm. the test of time? You can't just say, I'm treating patients 24-7. Many doctors are fatigued. They work round the clock. And mm-hmm. it's not that they're not good. They're very good. After 10 years of working, they can't decide to take a break because practice can probably not function or run itself without them. Without them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the business aspect of it, for me, really, and for now, doing economic, because many times, in fact, sometimes when I do lectures and they talk about, okay, you want to give this procedure, you want to request for reimbursement, in my mind, I'm thinking, ah, so expensive. <laughs> <laughs> then the economic part, the economist in me is like, no, you have to make money to fund the system. But the yeah. doctor in me is like, ah, oh, can they afford it? on somebody has to pay for something so the business part is key absolutely i totally agree with you i i also feel like a lot of a lot of us feel very uncomfortable thinking or talking about money especially when we were young because how many of them at that point in their life really handled money or business right most of them were probably still benefiting from their parents and didn't really think about oh i need to be profitable i need to get a return on my career investment and things like that which makes sense but then that's the reason why 
the business of your career should be introduced it's, at that level. At an early age. Yes. And it also helps, and I agree that it also helps them make a decision. The decision may not necessarily be to totally dump the career yes. decision. But it may be, how can I... Yes. Like, and then what are the options? Know, exactly, exactly. Should I go for private practice or should I just stick with working with the government where I have no investment but I'm making yeah. my money? Yes. Know, and then to even know what specialty. I'm sorry, some specialties yeah. are more profitable. For example, in dentistry, if you say you're an orthodontist, everybody believes you're a millionaire. But some other ones I won't mention, but yeah. everybody thinks, ugh, there's uh, so much money there. But it makes you know, should I go? Of course, not because you really want to go into it, just for the money. But mm-hmm. a funny story, I remember when I was in my house, job, I was talking with a roommate, my roommate then, and then, mm-hmm. so she, we were just discussing, and she goes, ah, so if somebody asks, why did you study dentistry rather than that, what would you say? Because for me, I just want to make people smile. <laughs> I laughed very hard. Why I laughed was that if she had asked me the question five years prior, I would have okay. probably said the same thing. I just said, I said, I'm not interested in making anybody laugh. <laughs> And she said, what? I said, I'm sorry. Like, at this point, I just want to make money and be good. <laughs> but to be honest, it's not like I'm not greedy. Mm-hmm. But when you go through some things, you've invested in your career, you've done a lot of things. You're like, please, eh, I just want to be good. Like, No, but it's not, it's not a wrong way to think about it. Reason being that you also, in a place of, I want to say, sometimes in a place of satisfaction and comfort, you find more zeal to and chase your passion more. Exactly. yes i was having a conversation with someone here last week and i was talking him through some of some side business i was doing besides my primary job and i was so excited about it showed him everything this is how it work can you yeah. see how cool it is and he sat me that he said are you what is really your driving force behind this thing i said ah i'll be very passionate about this thing from like and he said is, it, is there money in this mm-hmm. that was the first question he asked me because he, he, i'm sure he looked at me like with this amount of passion that you have in this subject matter if you commit this amount of passion into it you're going to get results but you're going to burn out if you don't see a profitability aspect Mm -hmm. of this because is this a hobby for you or is this something that you want to sustain your life right so why not find something that you're passionate about and also even be informed of how profitable it is because Mm -hmm. if not why not like if i can have my passion and profitability side by side why would i dump the profitability aspect Mm -hmm. and just say i'm sticking to the passion if this career path that i'm trying to choose the market for profitability is not that there where i am the decision may be to go somewhere else i can still pursue my passion and still be profitable at it regarding everything financial and business literacy is actually really lacking in middle and high schools and in fact you now discover for example like young doctors they go to work in i remember vividly when we i think the fourth year our fourth year in school we do three months of like three courses like very intense work and then we do our exams and that's the end yeah. of the fourth year but they keep you in school you will still work for about nine months so they yeah. move to the clinic i had a classmate he went to lagos to work he decided let me go and shadow let me just gain some clinical skill and experience and then yeah. he came back so i was asking yeah. him how 
that was Lagos and yeah. that was the private practice thing. It was fun. Like, in fact, now I can do this, I can do that, I can do... Mm-hmm. So I was like, wow, you really have fun. He said, but there, you know, it's like what they teach us in school and what obtains outside. There's almost like a gap because outside, the practice wants to, needs to make money. Mm-hmm. So for example, in school, it's just about infection control. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's like what we have right now with this COVID thing. And that's why the mm-hmm. whole glove wearing, mask wearing, it's not really a big deal for probably people with clinical backgrounds. So when yeah. we're in school, you, of course, you're taught as a dentist, you always have your hands with the gloves. Wash your hands. Examine, wash your hands. You want to examine the patient. The idea yeah. is to discard everything after every visit. He said when he got there, he examined the patient, dump the gloves. Patients will go and take x-ray, use another glove. When the patient mm-hmm. comes for the procedure, he will use another glove. The mm-hmm. next patient. So like averagely for every patient, he was using like three or four gloves. He said at the end of the day, the head nurse just called him. Ah, doctor, you really are wasting gloves. <laughs> that was how I use one glove per patient. You cannot yeah. change your face mask after every patient. It's taking her back. That's what the owner of the business, of course, the nurse may probably not understand the background is coming from. So the owner called him and said, I know they taught you in medical school that you have to do this, but don't forget that those hospitals are run by the government. You have to make money. Like, yeah. so you have to look for how to make sure you're not compromising. You're you efficient. Exactly. So he said it was such an eye-opener for him. That too, you have to make adjustments. So even for me, I can't tell you the things we had to do to make sure we, we just got the job done, you know? Yeah. But then those are some of the things. It's the business sense. Yeah. You need it to want to know how to save money for your organization and also be creative to say, you know what? Instead mm-hmm. of us having to dump, maybe there's like a new, exactly. techie, nice, interesting way that helps us to save money while we are not mm-hmm. compromising on the... Because it's that's creativity. Thinking about efficiency yeah. is also about... It's also part of the profession. So what else do you think you wish you knew at the start of your education? Um, also, probably to have taken up technology earlier and more proficiently. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, I knew how to, I had a laptop all through school. I knew yeah. how to use Microsoft Word, all those basic. But then, you know, as a clinician, the temptation is always to think that you are working mostly with human beings. But then, probably because of also where we train, you know, most of the things were still done the traditional way of pen and paper. I remember yeah. when I went to do my internship at National Hospital. Now, my first posting, we got there and of course, we're, there's, we call it clerking. When you're mm-hmm. taking, the patient comes and says, oh, what's mm-hmm. the problem? You're writing it down. Mm-hmm. And then we have to take x-rays for the patient. And I was told, okay, this computer is what you used to take the x-ray. There's a probe attached to it. I was like, oh. I was very good at taking the manual, regular x But to take the digital one, was a major problem for me. I really had to read hard, depend on people who had gone ahead, teach me. The use of technology is key, especially for medical practice and even any practice. So, mm-hmm. not irrespective of whatever you study or what you do, you should yeah. make, make it a priority to, okay, in this is my field, what are yeah. the technological innovations that are coming? Yeah. What yeah. are the softwares that are helping yeah. with or economics or even architects yeah. that can work better and good because you never know where life takes you Absolutely. and you never know what will happen and all the skills for now for example like I'm doing big data now I would say probably what has helped me over the years as, is the fact that I've tried some ways to also put myself in some difficult places in terms of technology I remember when I was in school I'm a Christian so I was going to a fellowship the unit I was serving then was transport media and commercial mm-hmm. so we were exposed to some media we had software Adobe video mm-hmm. editing so mm-hmm. when 
when I got to this course, big data, of course, I faced some very difficult situations, but then I just reminded myself that I've been in this kind of situations before, so I think I should be able to navigate both so technology for any field. I, I usually tell people technology has gone beyond I study tech. It should be a lifestyle. I operate, I live, I walk, I move, I do everything yeah. with tech, it's irrespective of... It's everywhere. It's everywhere. So it's like an operational system for whatever mm-hmm. it is that you do, irrespective. It, it should be mm-hmm. seen as like part of the basics, technology mm-hmm. and business, mm-hmm. to your first point. So I was having a conversation with a friend. He studied finance and accounting. Let me type in Microsoft Word kind of person and let me use Excel. And someone is explaining to him how blockchain works, which is the future mm-hmm. of accounting or finance or whatever now but now they are now taking it a a step further to now explain architecture of how data is stored and transferred to explain blockchain to him and it's like what is data the it part internet of things and how they Mm -hmm. can do strategy and not eliminate technology out of strategy i'm talking about business strategy technology is part of it so now it's not getting to the point where a lot of people the way they shine at their workplaces and everything is because of that extra tech that they have eventually is that tech stuff that people that is going to them and not yes exactly extra that you put on top of it that makes you stand out and also makes you connect the dots for example you can easily have a conversation with someone that has a tech background and you're like wait let's solve this problem together yeah and it comes from like school for example i know that when you were in school to what degree did they expect you to use tech could you have survived school without a computer i could have imagine to a level to a level really i could have i'm sure there were people that didn't have computers as when we were in school so exactly. we survived and they moved on by the time we got to school ebooks and all that were beginning to be a thing we had to also do powerpoint presentations but even at that i'm sure some people couldn't afford it so they probably used laptops from their friends and all that yeah it wasn't yeah. like you can't come to this class if you don't have a computer there was nothing yeah. like that if i can go through school without needing a computer then at what point in my career or my life would i even start getting exposed to that and yeah. the other I things I remember when I started my MSc, in my mind, I just told myself, of course, I'm taking a computer, but just told myself, this thing is too heavy. I can't be carrying it to school every day. I think for like, there was a week I told myself, no, I'm just carrying my cute bag. I need to look like a chick and do all that. Went for the first lecture. One lecture, I said, okay, bring out your laptop. You need to do this. And like, ah, what the photos of what? I didn't bring out. All right, make sure you bring it in the next lecture. The next day, I tried it again. By the third day, I just told myself, forget it. It's me and it's my backpack. It's me and my backpack. This thing is a complete necessity. Because although the university has a computer lab, but not all lectures are held in. And then it's like the air you breathe right now. How you exactly. say you're studying big data and you're not bringing your laptop to class? Because yes, in the middle of sometimes some lecturers just have an inspiration and they're like, aha, uh-huh, we need you to check something right now. Of course, you could check it on your phone, but many times the experience on the phone and on the laptop, they are two different things. Different, yeah, exactly. So really it's a necessity. But Absolutely. You're not just, I'm a doctor. It's, it's more like, I have, I'm a doctor that has some business sense, I have some technology sense. So it makes your career very fluid not stuck like I, I know of someone he also did dentistry but as far back as when we were in the university he used to tell me father had a telemedicine that i'm thinking of doing something in that line it was very it savvy and so recently we checked his profile and so he's studying business and something 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 in a university and i'm like i'm not so surprised like mm-hmm. it would just be like a seamless transition okay what was it about your clinical medicine career path that wasn't working for you and 
and when did you find out when did you decide to make this switch what was the indicator uh, okay well i wouldn't say it wasn't working but i would say probably the clinical background really served as a springboard because it opened my eyes to see gaps and like yeah. areas for example it was even like straight out from university the first place I worked, you know, we had, I worked like, I worked in a military hospital. We had a lot of cases where patients would come and they'd be like, okay, so this is what we're doing for you. And they just thought, ha, ah, doctor, I really can't afford it. I can't pay. And we had cases where we had torn patients back. Okay. We had cases where we had to just do the procedure and know that this thing I'm doing, the clinic is running at a loss mm-hmm. because this person cannot afford it, but I can't afford to chase or send this person back. You know, when I studied in the university, it was more like a cash-based system where patients pay, they get treatment. Of course, they used to say there was NHS, but it wasn't fully functional. But when I got to the military setting, the military in Nigeria is quite structured, especially when it comes to the health of their personnel. They have like a military HMO, which was quite good. And so mm-hmm. it allowed guys that were even like recruits to be able to do basic procedures that, of course, it didn't allow for all procedures, but the insurance gave them an edge. Okay. Meanwhile, civilians who come in, because mm-hmm. they don't have an insurance and because they probably cannot afford it you tell them we're sorry we can't do this procedure for a number yeah. of them because they can't yeah. afford so I yeah. immediately realized that wow insurance is such an edge it makes mm-hmm. it takes a lot of things away mm-hmm. so I moved to another system too where I went to National Hospital I saw that okay there's also some form of insurance here. there there was private insurance there was government insurance and then there was also the cash-based system so I could see like the difference between the broad ranges yeah private clinic where it was mostly <laughs> about cash yeah and then, you know i would hear about some cases where you hear about how much we're charging patients and in my mind i'll even tell myself even as a dentist if they tell me to pay this money i really can't pay this money yeah you know, so, because you think about toothache in the middle of the month you're like ah no my god so yeah. it's not like a springboard so initially i was thinking okay should i go and do something like in a management position i tried to check online explore I saw that I'm a kind of person that I kind of like straight paths. Like, I like to know what I'm doing early. It's also precise. Yeah, yeah, precise. That's the word. So yeah. I management was it's too broad. They are different yeah, not aspects. specific. Not specific. And then I stumbled on health economics. So I checked and then I saw, okay, it has to do with the money part of the health. So I think it yeah. fit into like the questions I have in my mind. So I then felt, okay, I could do something with this and then move on. Then it came with, of course, I had different offers and different options, but this one came with big data. And I was like, okay, this is an added, it's a plus, so I could go for it. I remember when I signed my MSc, so, you know, you have to introduce yourself and say, so most of the lecturers will come, so introduce yourself, tell me about your background. So I told, I think in my class, were just two medical people. They asked me, so why did you decide to come and do health economics? And I told many of them, I'm like, there's no point me having all deals and my patients cannot pay for the service. Too often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can imagine for somewhere like Nigeria, and our health insurance system crap for the everyday citizens. Yes, yeah. for the everyday citizen, right? And <laughs> it's only just it's only organizations that are kind of aware of the of the implications that actually get their members of staff on board. Mm-hmm. The, the good old Joe on the streets in Nigeria have health insurance and he probably needs it more because an organization like a PWC, like a Deloitte, like a Shell that has their staff on very good insurance plan, the staff is not exposed to the kind of ills of the society that your regular street mm-hmm. hawker and regular regular guy on the street is exposed yeah. to. So they need it more. I've even heard situations where people lose their lives 
because the doctor cannot afford to treat them. One, because they don't have health insurance and because the treatment or the, the treatment is a bit expensive. So yeah, I can see how it goes beyond. I have these skills to operate or to treat my patient, sorry. But then it's now, can the people that I, I can offer this service afford it? What is the economics? What is the economics behind how I'm supplying and how the demand is coming? How am I managing that process? The other side is we shouldn't forget that there are some people who are in the category where they can afford it. Their practice is running well, especially in Nigeria. And I would say they've carved a niche for themselves in catering for, I would say, maybe the airlines. Not because they are intended to, but people that can afford it. So, of course. But then, maybe for me, exactly. I can't count, I can't recount stories. Numerous people. And even as doctors, there's hardly any Nigerian doctor that you see down tell you at one point or the other in their career that they didn't have to pay for a patient's treatment hardly anybody yeah hardly anybody just take a survey ask them they'll tell you oh i've had to buy gloves for a patient oh i've had to buy this for a patient i've had to pay for x-ray i've had to do this but for how many people are you going to be able to do that and even you are you completely okay that you can be you can if a quick story one time i went for a job interview with a consultant is a facial surgeon he said when he first became a consultant usually when you're a consultant i think the first six months you're probably working without pay or something so he said he was working at Luth then and then as a surgeon so you know everybody in his environment they assumed he was rich and mm-hmm. he had money so he said he would get home and his wife would tell him ah so 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 person came i had to give them one more of rice so so person came i had to give them this like and really for how long are we going to be doing that everybody mm-hmm. should at least be able to be able to afford some level of healthcare basic mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. us ampering the other man beside and not making a loss at the same time as yes, the hospital exactly. yeah the- yeah and let's not even get into the conversation about the policies no you spent you spent the next two days discussing exactly because when you hear stories of i had the story of a girl last year december who lost her life in nigeria she was walking literally walking on the streets and she got stabbed in the neck by some random stranger and she was rushed she was rushed exactly she was rushed into the hospital and you literally see someone who blood is gushing out of her neck and then the hospital's policy is that oh we cannot treat a whatever until we see a police report i'm sorry but do you think if i had a police report i'll be here like this is an emergency (laughs) exactly this is an emergency this lady lost her life in the process of them transporting her from the first hospital to maybe another hospital that would take her in without a police report she died she was maybe in her late 20s or something so let's not go into the into the this let's not even go there into the discussion about policies that they make don't even try it yes so it goes a long way beyond the fact that i'm a doctor i have the spatula and the whatever mm-hmm. whatever to cut and to do this like if the policies that in quotes the policy makers are putting in place are not sustainable your spatula ain't going to do nothing like you're not going to do anything if nothing. someone wants to me a surgeon wants to a friend of mine and was like and okay the friend just asked like that's the surgeon because he works as a te- at a, he works at the tertiary hospital as yeah. a 
said, and we were like, ah, how is this, the practice going at the tertiary hospital? Tell me that we have a lot of patients, but they are just lying down in the ward because yeah. we've given their families estimates of what their surgery will cost. And they, and can't, they can't afford it. it. And they so just dump otherwise, them. Otherwise, exactly. These people are just passing time on the hospital bed. And don't forget that the bed rates per day is also oh crazy. But they cannot go home. And, you know, and then the list, the surgical list is just there. So he wakes up on a surgery day. We are supposed to have a person today. Have they paid? Are they ready? No. So even oh the God. surgery skill. So it's I not used. just decided to go and be expending his skill in a private clinic where they will pay him for whatever he does. But, you yeah. know, the kind of things he wants to do, he wants to cut in the theater, do all that stuff, hone his skills. They really can't do it because the people to do it on... They can't afford they it. They can't afford it. Anyway, let's let's go on. It's so sad thinking about things like this. So what are, what are the things you will consider as challenges that you have with your current path? And how are you just walking your way through your switch, let's call it, into health economics and big data um, analysis? Oh, well, maybe first of all, I would say having to, like I say, tune my mind into the economics part because yeah. let's be truthful. I did economics in high school. That was 2004. This is 2020, 2019. Yeah, yeah. It, it took quite a few adjustments. Tune my mind. Because I, I was conversant with the news, I heard, I knew some things. Not like I was yeah. a complete dumb. Yeah. But, you know, when you start doing a lot of finance stuff and then yeah. I need to start knowing about the inflationary rate and how it relates to interest rates and how it yeah. relates to the cost and you get to like do a lot of brushing up and all that then yeah. secondly the technical part which involved the data well, then it, it was a challenge initially in fact i wouldn't the first software we had to use in the course of the program was gretel mm-hmm. so i remember when the lecturer said all right download gretel and then he was saying stuff on time series and i had to look around class and be like am i am the only person that's confused <laughs> <laughs> Like, but you know, I just had to put up a brave face. Like, okay, like, let's download. It was, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. lie. It was a struggle, that particular one. But you know, that was the minute I just told myself, well, I'm in this to the end. So I need to literally move myself and just yeah. get this going. So, you know, I had to do a lot of extra work in the background. Then yeah. I also made sure that I was asking questions from people I felt that, okay, this person seems to know what they're doing. Yeah. Because, and then the person is also open to explaining Helping. to me. Like, mm-hmm. I knew could accommodate my foolish questions. Yeah. I had to ask my lecturers a lot of questions because I paid for this course, so I can't afford to flunk. And you know, yeah. So I had to just open because you know initially in my mind I felt I'm studying health economics but one day I told myself I said there are your courses health economics and, and big data, data. And I, like don't get it twisted you can't choose one half no you have use the whole package yeah so you just have to do this so yeah change yourself so but it gets better with time and yeah. then you just have to expose yourself the challenge comes with growth mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So exactly yeah but then it makes the journey worth it when you already know what you're going in for and what is that the end of it and when you know you chose what is at the end of it this one you know what is there you exactly in fact that's what i usually tell myself like nobody forced you into it you just have to keep it moving because what i told myself also was that oh you know after working for like after leaving school for up to like five years i told myself ah, i need to do some more learning i need to study more i want to go back to school so in my mind the kind of learning i was telling myself was the traditional sit down listen to lectures i didn't know that it was going to come with coronavirus and i'll have to be the one to make sure that i'm doing the learning on my own just to make sure i keep up so 
it's a winding tunnel, like I said, and you just have to roll with the punches. What would you say is the role of family, friends, background, and your culture in your career journey? Your parents want you to either be a doctor, doctor an engineer, or, or a lawyer, and anything or else. An out- accountant. Uh, maybe an accountant. Yeah, I remember the first time I told my mom that I wanted to be an accountant because I love mathematics. She just said, ah, better let's take you away from Rega College and take you to Ansarudin High School. <laughs> and why we... <laughs> Yes, like why we want to be an accountant and you are going to regular college. A lot of us now are doing things that our parents cannot even explain. So how would you explain (laughs) the role of your background and culture and your exposure? How would you say that has played out? Well, culturally, I would also want to say, I think even our monolithic parents, I think they are also getting to the fact that our generation is different from theirs. So they are accepting that, okay, these children are not like us anymore. The typical finish from school, you know, before, especially in Nigeria, the goal was finish school and then you go and get a government job. Not like mm-hmm. saying the government job is bad, but they want job security. Okay, so get this mm-hmm. government job so that you'll be all right. But yeah. now our parents now know that many people are going into entrepreneurship and all that. So for me, I would say that they're more accepting, knowing that well, we're making the right choice. Then mm-hmm. I would also say that my background was not such where we were held back. Both my parents, yeah, the kind of couple although of course they worked in government they work in government establishments but then you know I knew when my mother was doing her masters I knew when she was having a PhD I mm-hmm. knew even with the first defense and she didn't do too well and she had to do it all over again so like yeah. I saw her go I saw her going through it my dad I knew when he did his diploma why I've been a dad so I would say that I saw their struggle I saw them also trying to do some form of professional development even while we're all growing up so it's helped me to also know that even in my old age in quotes I could still get more education and then I didn't come from a culture really where they felt okay maybe a girl do all that stuff in fact, yeah. my dad's slogan is anything you're telling me goes, it's okay. And then in terms of family, I would say they've been very supportive in terms of psychological support and different ways to help me, encourage me. Yeah. For example, like when I had to come for my MSc, I had to leave, I have a young family, we have a daughter, so I had to leave my daughter behind and my husband. And then it was, it was not even like a close relation that had to take care of her. But I was quite confident of the person I was leaving my child with. Because yeah. if it's not somebody, if you're not confident, I couldn't have taken that decision. So yeah. family for me, very key. Because in fact, yeah. I told like I don't want to do this thing at the expense of my family. I want to be together with my family. You know, these are also the things that would also motivate other people, especially women in this age where people can talk more about women being the best they can be and all that yeah. thing. Yeah. Know that yes, you could have a family, but it doesn't mean your whole life should be put on hold and you don't get like I really say joking it to myself like if my dad paid for my university education, my husband is paying for my education <laughs> for in terms of school fees and all that. Like when I first started the program I couldn't do some work. I, my first semester I had weekly check in with my sister. Especially when you seem to be going for your dream and you're big yeah. you want yeah. to think these people they don't, they, get it. they don't get it. Exactly. <laughs> this whole family situation. A lot of people also don't have that support system, which I understand, but I, I actually even started changing my orientation about family support when I watched a talk from Ibukwa Oshika. She's like the... Like, child the child. Exactly. She's actually the chairman of First Bank of Nigeria or FBN Group. And she's the chairman of the chair group, I think. Yeah, yeah. So she was saying for almost 20 years of her raising a family and running a business, she had a mother-in-law living 
living with her, raising her children. But when she saw the direction her career was going into, at that point, she had to compromise on things like no external family member will live with us. Her mother-in-law was always there to raise her children. So she had to compromise Mm -hmm. on some of the ideals that you have in your mind of, oh, power woman, I can do bad all by myself. Some people don't have parents. So siblings. But then, families really make it to be. Yeah. While I was here, where I got an accommodation and all that in a house, with living with other people with a family. Yeah. So I had the option of should I go and get another house somewhere else? Maybe rent like a flat or just keep staying where I am. Um, yeah, family house. Of course, they will have their nose in my business. Or, you know, I just thought to myself, okay, I wouldn't mind having people to interact with. Then the child also needs people to interact with, talk with, and all that. Yeah. So I made that decision. And truly, I would say it's also been one of the best decisions I made. Yeah. People I live with, they are like my family now. We go on yeah. vacation together. Yeah, yeah. So family really is who we make them to be. Wherever yeah. you are, try to seek out people that care. Really, of course, you share your ideas. Nobody saw COVID coming because I keep saying it. If we are locked down with a child, then everybody will just be like at their weekends. And as long as you are comfortable with people, open up to them and let them know how you want them to support you and they would support you because mm-hmm. you can use all the help you can get. Now, they say there's no trophy at the end of the tunnel to say she did it and she did it all by herself. <laughs> Bro, just get the job done, man. Just to conclude this and round this up, how would you say this journey has changed your thinking about careers generally? Well, I could say that there's no hard and fast road to any form of career. It's like a puzzle that yeah. has many parts to fit together and make a whole. For example, look at yourself. You studied mm-hmm. computer engineering. Can you mm-hmm. really say you're a computer engineer? <laughs> I'll just say, I'll, let me just say I'm a computer. I remove the engineer part. <laughs> <laughs> so, you really can say so. But you have a degree in computer engineering for crying out loud. Yeah. So you see, the face of work has changed. So yeah. There's no hard and fast road, fast road to yeah. getting this thing done. The horizon is so wide right now. I would say that we've opened and flexible to change. That's, That's it. Yeah. I also tell people that no two people's career journey is the same. Oh, I could give you an example. No two people's career. Exactly. He's not interested in all this. Yes, no. Mm-hmm. him talking about I'm going to do the crown. I like also like me is not the spanking and getting 70 A's. Yeah, and yeah. Like, let's let's pass and let's move on the car. Like mm-hmm. so you all took no. In fact, the worst part is if two people start at the same point and let's say give them 10 years to end up at the same point. The first thing is you realize that they probably went through different paths together. That's mm-hmm. the first one. The second thing is if the two people start at the same point and you just give them the time, they will land mm-hmm. at different places. Different places, exactly. What makes up your career journey is beyond the choice of a career decision. It's a lot of personality, background and experience, the people you are, that are surrounding you opportunities yeah. exactly. exactly so what would you advise someone that is currently going through a career transition or considering a career transition at this point well i would first of all say that whatever is making you think about a transition your reasons are valid yeah that's the truth because yeah. you're seeing a gap yeah you want to feel that gap you want to do yeah. something about it. yeah i would also say that your plan or your your transition plan yeah to be yeah. honest would not materialize immediately okay ready to go for it like for the long haul okay but you have to be ready to stand by it like these things with my full I, chest with your full chest like <laughs> I, like 
I told you it was like straight out of school, like around 2014. That I said nursing the idea of something aside to the clinical, and I didn't start like really move into it until like five years later. Mm-hmm. A lot of things happened along the way. At least you can think of things to be doing. I remember like I at a point when I wasn't working, I was doing some online courses. USAID courses. I do, did some courses at the University of Washington in public health. I was always reading journals when I see anything health economics or health insurance related. So you have to do that. But then another thing is also a master's is not only the way to go in terms Absolutely. of Absolutely. Absolutely. For example, I was thinking initially of trying to get maybe an internship at an health insurance company or any health services company. It wasn't yeah. clear. So that yeah. was my initial plan. So I went around, I was submitting CVs, doing everything, knocking yeah. doors, sending emails. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This. Don't close your mind as to think that you only have to do a master's. There are many to different Yes, to switch, to get it done. Mm-hmm. Many different opportunities that could arise. So, but the, also the idea of quitting your current job. That's a difference. True. I was having a conversation with my school advisor this afternoon because I'm currently like on work vacation. So then I was saying, wow, like I can I can feel what people feel when they just suddenly decide to resign their jobs and pursue their other interests. Not saying that's a bad idea, but I'm able to get this much done because I only know I have four days of work. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, boom, 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 boom. I'm doing everything. But every day is not going to be like that, man. Like, mm-hmm. I only have this initial traction. Trust me, if this goes on for like the next two weeks, I'm probably not going to be as productive. And I think the idea that you have something to go back to. So kind of already makes me feel like, okay, let me just maximize yeah, this time and I'll go back to my job. Exactly. So I was not telling her this afternoon, like, I can feel what people feel when maybe they have some time off work and they are able to do a lot more within that time and they feel like you know what i need to resign my job if i'm putting this much energy into my and i'm getting this then maybe i should resign my job she was like are you planning to resign i said i'm not planning to i said i'm not planning to i'm just telling you that i feel what they feel and it's also good that people leverage opportunities that their current jobs Offers them. offer them. Because I know when I was in PwC, we have things like, okay, you can take one month without pay off work. You can take something like that to think, mm-hmm. decide what you want to do to explore some other small stuff. Yeah. yeah, so test one what you want to transition into to see what that would look like. As low risk as possible. If you're not really liking the vibe, you have a job to go back. How would you guide your child in making a career decision when she gets to that point what would you do for her that you think would be very significant wow be honest because that's like a whole generation ahead and i'm sure things would have really changed from yeah. what we have right now so yeah in guiding my child i'll just let them know whatever you want to do even if it doesn't work out truthfully you can always come back to start over you can always do it yeah anywhere you are and then don't be afraid to say i think i'm done with this I want to move on. Of yeah. course, you have to put some things in place as a safety net and all that, but don't be terrified to think. And I think our generation has also showed it. For example, in an, our parents' generation, it was a lot more of like many people doing government jobs and just enjoying yeah. my job. Job security. Now you see people living lucrative jobs in Oracle. doing TikTok careers. You know exactly doing TikTok <laughs> careers. Which one was I seeing? And the guy said he left his job to go and open a food truck. I saw that. a guy recently. Is a hand model. So, and so crying out loud, he could be making it. And doing fine. I'm doing fine. So, I would tell myself, whatever you choose, even if it doesn't work out, 
you can always come back to them. That's yeah. good for me. Don't be afraid. You know. A couple of people are probably also still stuck in career choices because of yeah. the fear of change. You know, I mean, change is not always easy. A lot of people will probably say, ah, I'll now go and start all over again. It's same as me. For many of them, I think about them. Mm-hmm. Age, I'm not going to start entry level, blah, blah. But yeah. I don't tell myself, if not now, when? Unless you just decide that, you know, I'm not going through this change anymore. You when you're 40, you want to yeah. okay, now I'm going to pursue this that. thing. Yeah, considering all the necessary scenarios and with the right amount of risk management, it's never too late to change to something that you are interested in. And the truth is also, it's important that when your moment of, let's say your Eureka moment comes, like, yeah. move it, move with it. When you're don't dwell too much on it. So profound, like change is not comfortable, but then go for it, man. Hmm. So this has been fun and enlightening. I'm not seeing it from being a part of the process. I'm seeing or listening to it in a retrospective form. Like the story is always sweeter in retrospect. I was, I say oh, that a lot. Oh. Like it's always nice when you hear it from beginning and say, and this and this, I saw this gap. I saw but sometimes when you are going through the motions, like it's not the fun, most fun thing, man. Like it's not. Oh, but I will tell the audience, I remember one time, in the midst of all this, let me transition, let me do it. I was having a conversation with my husband. And you know, he said it to me, but I'm like, I believe in you. But I you this. Because opportunities were not coming. Nothing was opening up. Like, we were just having everything was just short. Yeah. Be sure if you took me said. If I just had started, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just cried and cried. And you know, the next day, he just told me, open your phone, start checking again. He said, hey, you know, yesterday is past now. We have to move on and just do what you have to do. Like, yeah. So it may sound sweet, but the journey was definitely not as rosy, yeah. which, which, which people need to be prepared for. So before we round up, there's this fun question that we're going to ask you. Yeah. And I know, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to do this in Nigerian Naira because I, I don't know if the money is not plenty. <laughs> so if you had, if you had a hundred thousand pounds, how would you spend it? And why would you spend it that way? 15% my side. Okay. I'm a child of God. Okay. Yeah, left with 85,000. Yeah. yeah, that's 15. Yeah, really calculating the economist in you is really putting pen to paper and doing the maths. Interesting. Ah, get a pair of white kicks. A pair of white kicks. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. What else? Without cheap in the grand scheme of things. Another mm-hmm. 15,000 will go into my funds I'm trying to build. Investments. Yes, my investments. Okay. Then 10,000 will go into my child's education trip. Okay. And the rest, I'll probably go and use it for a down payment for a house. Okay. Yeah. You're so serious. I'll buy some clothes. I'll buy some clothes. So not just the some vintage clothes. Look neat. Like, I just want $100,000. Come on. <laughs> you should look like money. You should smell like money. You enter the room and you should say money. <laughs> I'm not that much. <laughs> so the bulk of your money is going on your investment and tight. You're very serious. So. And I like you that you're very realistic in terms of... Yeah, live a baby girl life for one night and come back to reality and randomly like that. One last question. When you walk out of a room, what do you want people to say about you? And people had the opportunity to gossip. What do you want them to say about you? That I'm real. That I'm the real thing. Like what you see is what you get. No genuine, original. Yeah. Mm. That it really matters to me. I don't think they will make it over. <laughs> Let's see it as Yeah. If it's not working, it's not working. It's not working. Uh, okay we've come to the end of the talk and i hope this was beneficial to everyone listening yeah so thank you it was nice chatting with you and learning from you
Wow, I had a great time chatting with Dara and um, the most insightful thing for me was actually that in the course of her work, she was able to find an opportunity for something else that she was interested in pursuing. So that's the general rule of life. I believe that while you're diligently focused on what you're doing, you will see opportunities and don't close your eyes to those opportunities. They could be gold mines for future career investments. I hope you picked a lesson or two. I'm going to be seeing you on another episode and an interesting thing for you to learn from. Thank you and be safe.